see you again. Children's Church, you can be dismissed. Appreciate Miss Lori taking the Children's Church this morning. So, praise the Lord for that. Good to see you this morning. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, Pastor Jeremy and the family are out of town on vacation, traveling all across the United States. They've been, I think, everywhere. Um, lots of traveling. So just keep them in your prayers. I think they're coming back on Monday, tomorrow, or Tuesday, one of the two. Who knows? But uh, anyway, I have the honor and the joy of being able to come and preach this morning. And so that's, that's what we're going to do this morning. Let's turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 17. I want to look at verses 11 through 19 this morning. Luke chapter 17 and verses 11 through 19. And the title of my message this morning is going to be Regeneration and Glorification. Regeneration and Glorification. Luke chapter 17, and I'm going to read for you verses 11 through 19. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were healed or cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God, except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Let's pray again this morning. Fathers, we come back into your presence. Uh, we, Lord, are thankful for this passage of Scripture. Lord, and, and it is my prayer and the objective this morning, the goal this morning, to re-encourage, to enlighten us, to return to a people of the glorification of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that God, that that would be a vital part of our walk in Christ, that every day and in every prayer and in one way, fashion, form or another, that God, that we will bring our praise to you for the salvation that you have brought to us. Thus, Lord, the, the, the title, Regeneration and Glorification, and God, those of us that have come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it ought to be a lifestyle. It ought to be part of our walk. It ought to be who we are, people of glorification, of You. That God, that we are not a people, Lord, that are unthankful or ungrateful. That, Lord, that we are dissatisfied in our relationship with You. But rather, God, that daily we are reminded of who we used to be God, and what you have done to change us, that we are now new creatures in Christ. So, Father, let that be the objective and the goal this morning, and we'll praise you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Rebecca and I have had the opportunity, the pleasure, the joy, the pain, the suffering of growing gardens. 
And uh, we started several years ago in our previous ministry. We had a 40 by 40 garden. And it was exciting to, to discover all the, the various things that go inside of a, a garden. And, and how everything has to be just perfect. Your pH levels have to be good. Your acidic levels have to be good. And so one summer, uh, I think it was the second summer that, that we had started a garden, I went to Lowe's and I picked up, I, I mismeasured, by the way, how much cow manure that you needed to put in a garden. And I put bag, I can't remember how many bags. It must have been 20 or 25 bags of cow manure because I thought I'm going to grow some stuff this year. And I'm going to tell you something right now. At the beginning of that vegetable garden, we had the biggest leaves, the greenest leaves. I mean, every plant was beautiful. It didn't grow a single vegetable because about midsummer, that thing just burned up because I, I, I didn't put any lime in it. I didn't know about lime. I didn't know, you know, this is something that you have to do. But it was green for a while. And then it turned brown because it was missing an ingredient. It was out of balance. There were certain elements in our garden that uh, were out of sync. And I think the same is true when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. We can have all the elements. We can be studying God's Word. We can be in prayer. Uh, we can share Christ. We can come to church. We can do all those things. But if we leave out the element of daily glorifying the Lord, thanking the Lord, worshiping the Lord in, in our daily world, just coming before God and, and just genuinely thanking God for the salvation that He has brought to us. When we have that one element missing in our walk in Christ, it's a huge element that is not going to allow us to flourish and grow the way that God would have us to do. Let me read just a couple of passages of Scripture to, to point this fact out. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, Peter says, Blessed, he says, Blessed, or praise the Lord, glory, glory be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A beautiful example of Peter praising God. Lord, thank You for the salvation that you have brought to me. We see in the book of Luke, and I'm just going to turn there, Luke chapter 10 and, and verse 17, we have the 70 that, that Jesus Christ sent out. And on their return, they say this in, in Luke 7, 10, 17, says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. In your name. Now, I'd mentioned to the crew back there, I want to mention anything about demons. Well, apparently I lied. And in verse 18, it says, And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority, Jesus says, to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing by any means shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. We have example after example in the Scriptures of our responsibility to come before God and, and be a people that glorify God on a daily basis about the salvation that God has so richly given to us. One author wrote of a story of a young man by the name of Timothy. And Timothy came to an evangelistical outreach 
And there he came to know Christ. And Timothy, according to the author, was, he was a very unkept young man. He was dirty. He was filthy. His clothes were gross. He just was a boy of the street. And he came in and he came to know Jesus Christ. And then this young boy was, was given uh, to, to this, young, this, this older gentleman to mentor him and to find him a, a local church and get him plugged in. And while he's mentoring this young man, the young boy started saying, why me? Why me? And so the mentor began to go, oh, man, not another Christian that's complaining and murmuring about just daily circumstances. But as he began to listen to this young man, Timothy, he found out he wasn't saying, why me, in the sense that, oh, all these bad things. He kept saying, why me? God, why have you chosen me? Out of all the people in the world who are greater and smarter and in and, and, and better circumstances, God, why did you choose me for salvation? He was rejoicing. God, why me? Why did you pluck me out of the ashes of life and, and give me eternal life through Christ Jesus is what he was saying. One author said this. He says, I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he has made known, nor why, though unworthy I am, Christ in love redeemed me for his own. Folks, we need to return in our walk in Christ to where we are daily living out an attitude of glorification of the Lord for the great salvation, the great salvation that God has brought to us in Christ Jesus. And I want to encourage you through the Scriptures as we look at this passage of Scripture that we, we be a people, that we are a people that glorify God daily. How can we do that? How can we return? I don't know if you remember when you came to know Christ. I hope that you do. But I remember coming home that night when I came to know Christ. It was January 1st, 12, 15, midnight. I came home. The home was the barracks of the United States Marine Corps in Camp Lejeune. And I came back, and, and I remember Corporal Summy, not Corporal Summy, Swan, Swanson, that was his name. I always remembered him because it was like the Swanson truck, you know, the Swan truck, ice cream and all that stuff. You remember that? And uh, he's sitting there. He was on guard duty that night, and I was like, man, I got saved tonight. I got saved. I understood. And, and Corporal Swan was like, what is wrong with you, Stugelmeyer? What, what, what are you talking about? I said, I got saved. Now, he was about as much of a heathen as any of us was. And I remember those days thinking to myself, man, it's such a great salvation. God has enlightened my mind. God has enlightened my heart. God has taken me from death to life, from darkness to light. Man, those days were great. And then slowly and surely throughout the course of Christianity and your time in Christ, complaining kind of comes in. Oh, we murmur about this and we complain about that and... And, and the further that we get away from that, that moment where Jesus Christ saved us, the, the, the further that we get away from that, we begin to forget what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. God has met our greatest need. We're always talking about needs. We're always talking about wants. We're always talking about this objective or that objective. Why me? And yet God has met our greatest need, salvation. In Christ Jesus. We look at this passage of scripture, we're going to find some things 
that I think are going to help us to get back on track of daily spending time in prayer, glorifying God and saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, for the great salvation that you have brought to us. We're going to do this by looking at this passage of Scripture. First of all, as we look at this, I remember how this thing works. Ours was a little bit different. Boom. Look at there. That's why I did four years of college. <laughs> Number one, in verses 12 through 13, folks, we, we need to go back and remember our condition and our separation. Let's go back and read verses 12, 11, 12, and 13. You know, it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria. That he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, or I think you could read the scripture, as he was entering or he was outside a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. And we have to stop and pause, and, you know, Pastor Jeremy usually will say some sort of kooky joke. So let's keep the tradition. What do you do when a leper rolls his eyes at you? You roll him back. That went over about as well as I thought it was going to. <laughs> Lead balloon. All right, let's get back to seriousness here. <laughs> I'll wait for the Facebook comments on that one. So anyway, all right, let's proceed, shall we? Just had to keep the tradition. Like he passed the baton to me. Now I pass it back to him for next Sunday. Okay, where were we? Because I'm totally off track here. Oh, remembering your condition and your separation. Think about this. So here is Jesus. He's entering a certain village. And, and before he gets into that village, there are ten lepers that meet him. And they're crying out to him, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Let's stop and pause. Let's just think about the condition of these lepers. It's a horrifying condition. If you know anything about leprosy, it begins to attack the nervous system in the hands and in the feet to a certain point that, that it, it's extremely painful as those nerves are beginning to die. But once those nerves begin to die, there's not going to be any feeling in the hand, there's not going to be any feeling in the feet. And so here's part of the problem. When they pick up something hot, they're not going to feel it. And so that's going to cause further damage to the tissue. Maybe for whatever reason, they roll an ankle, and, and so all of a sudden that ankle is, is now out of joint. Well, they don't feel it. They don't feel the pain of that ankle being out of joint. So now they can't walk like they were intended to be able to walk. And so their, their, their body begins to just literally fall apart. It attacks the cartilage in their body, so their, their nose eventually will cave in. Their, their ears will begin to fall off. They'll begin to lose digits on their fingers and their toes, and, and they're literally just falling apart. That's an awful condition. And when we look at the Scripture, we're going to find that, that there is a certain parallel between what we see in the condition of a leper and what we see in the condition of an unregenerated person. These people's condition, these men's condition is absolutely awful. 
And because of their condition, because of their leprosy, according to the book of Leviticus, they have to be separated. They have to be cast out of the camp. And so we see their condition, but then secondly, if you will, we see their separation. They're, they're, they're cast out of the village. And so let's, let's personalize these ten men. Let's think about it. We don't see it in the Scripture, but obviously we, we know that these men had moms and dads. Perhaps these men had wives. Perhaps with those wives, those men had children. And so they're not only separated just from social, they're separated relationally from everybody around them. Could you imagine having a child and, and you have to be separated from them forever because this, this is an incurable disease. Once you got it, you got it. One of the greatest times or points in my life throughout the day is just before we go to bed. Our family will usually spend some time in prayer together. And then there'll be a, a moment where we embrace. Now, I've got one that's a cuddler and I've got one that's not a cuddler. But still, to hold my children and to grab them and to kiss on them, it's a blessing. It's an honor. Don't get embarrassed. But to not be able to do that would be horrible. Could you imagine not being able to hold your grandchildren because you're cast out of society, you're cast out of all of these relationships? And so there is separation with these men. They are completely separated from everything that they know according to the law of God. In Leviticus 13, 45, 46, and Numbers 5, 1 through 3, they had to be separated. In Leviticus 13, 45 and 46, it talks about how these, these men are supposed to, or everybody that has leprosy is, is supposed to shave their heads, rip their clothes, which is a, a, a sign of mourning. They're supposed to cover their mustache and go around and say, unclean, unclean. Now, Warren Wearsby had to say this about what it means to be unclean. It describes the ceremonial defilement that makes the victim unfit for social life or the participation in worship at the house of God. So you're not only separated relationally, socially, but also spiritually. They're not able to go to the house of God. They're not able to worship the Lord or worship at the house of God. Leviticus 13, 45 and 46 says this, Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn, and his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean, unclean. He shall be unclean. All the days he has the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Numbers 5, 1 through 3 says this, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they put out of the camp every leper, every one who has a discharge, and whoever becomes defiled by a corpse. You shall put out both male and female. You shall put them outside the camp and they sh they may, that they may not defile their camps in the midst of which I dwell. It's an awful condition. Think about it, folks. Parallel yourself to these men, but do so in the sense spiritually. Before you came to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, this is who we were. 
John Piper said this, Sin is like spiritual leprosy. It deadens your senses, so you rip your soul to shreds and you don't even feel it. Another author said this, he says, In fact, sin and leprosy are also alike in that both disfigure, both defile, and both debilitate. Let's take this back to the New Testament for just a moment. I want to read to you Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 13. So think about the leprosy. Think about their condition. Think about their separation as I read this passage of Scripture to you. In Ephesians 2, 11 through 13, it says, Remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The condition of these lepers speaks of the condition of who we were when we were without Christ. We were aliens from the commonwealth. We were strangers. We had no hope. We were without God. And the scripture says we were afar off. Our condition spiritually is identical to those that had the disease of leprosy but we've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. We need to go back and remember who we used to be. Now, some of us here this morning probably got saved when when we were younger, but a lot of us got saved when we were older. And we can easily go back and we can remember the type of people that we were, how we blatantly took God's name in vain how it was nothing for us to lie, how it was nothing for us to look upon a woman or a man in in lust. The wickedness and the defilement that we were, that's who we were. Our righteousness is like filthy rags. We were undone. We were unclean. We were unholy, unrighteous, ungodly. That's who we were. And we need to be a people to remember that's who I used to be. We don't glory in it. We don't bring it up to say, well, I was worse than you were. We go back in our minds and say, wow, that was the condition I was in. I was filthy. I remember one year, Rebecca and I, when we were in between ministries one time, we didn't even have Christmas. We didn't even put up a Christmas tree. You know, those traditions are really kind of just special because they're memories. In that particular year, we didn't have Christmas. We didn't have a Christmas tree. And it, it, it... the next Christmas that we had was special because the girls were, what, Anna was 11 months, 10 months. Anna, or Rebecca, my other daughter, whatever her name is. You know, you got it bad. I call the girls by our cat and dog name. Carly, get... Just as long as I don't call you Grayson, right? Because that's a boy's name. But... Our girls were young enough, they they didn't even, their first, one of their first Christmases, they didn't even have Christmas. So the next Christmas was, it was that much special because we look back and, wow, look where we were at and look where we are today. And the same ought to speak for us when we think about who we used to be, what we were, what our condition was, the things that we did to defile the name of God. 
Romans 5, 8 through 11, one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Word of God says this. But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were yet, what? Sinners. Christ died for us much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Romans 5.8 uses three things to kind of demonstrate who we were, the condition that we were at. The Word of God says that we were sinners. The Word of God says that we are under the wrath of God. The Word of God says that we were enemies of God. But through Christ Jesus, we have been reconciled to God through the death of His Son. I think in order for us to get back on track where we truly glorify God, we've got to go back and remember who we were. We've got to go back and remember our condition. I can't tell you the number of times that I'd... I did stupid things and, and could have killed myself because of the stupid things that I did. And in those moments, had God allowed it, I, I would have lifted my eyes up in hell. But God spared me physically so that I could come to the point when I was 19, 20 years of age that I would come to know Jesus Christ. I thank God for that. I thank God that He spared me and continued to work in my life through different people to bring me to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because, folks, when we understand, when we truly understand the power of hell and the reality of hell, then, then, folks, we understand what we've been saved from. We've been saved from the wrath of God. And we ought to stop daily and say, God, thank you. Thank you. Secondly, as we look at this passage of Scripture here this morning, there we go. We need to remember His compassion and restoration. Originally, I had up here, remember his compassion and regeneration. But you got to understand that these men, nine of them weren't regenerated, only one was. But all ten of them were restored. We need to look at his compassion and his restoration. Let's look again, starting at verse 13. It says, And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. Let's pause there for just a moment. Let's think about the compassion of Jesus Christ. First of all, these men, with their raspy voices because of the leprosy, because of the disease, were unable to yell out to Jesus like we're able to yell at a football game or a soccer game or something like that. It would have been something like a, a kind of a, a rattling, raspy voice that these ten men would have been crying out to Jesus. Think about what they look like as that their bodies are literally falling apart. And here is God in the flesh. And He does two things in verses 13 and 14. The first thing is He heard them. Why then would He have looked at them? Our God, our Savior... The creator of the universe stopped and heard the cries of literally ten worthless men. And your greatest need in that moment that God was speaking to your heart, God heard you. 
Isn't that amazing to think about the God of the universe? He's so holy. He's so high. He's far above us. I remember in boot camp, in order for us to speak to one of our drill instructors, if they were in their office, we had to go outside his door and, and, and knock and get permission to communicate to him. They didn't want to see us. They didn't want to hear us. They had no reason to. But imagine the fact that here in that moment where God is working in your heart, that you see that how undone and unholy that you are, how worthless that you are in the eyes of man. And, and, and really, what, what did we have to bring God? What did we have to benefit God in any way? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And yet we cried out to Him in saving faith, and our God heard us. And when He heard these lepers, what did Jesus do in verse 14? So when He saw them, He looked on them. To think that our Lord... Our Creator, who we have defiled in every way His name and His holiness with our lips and with our life would stop and look upon us and to acknowledge us. Who is man that you would think of Him? Who are we? Can I just stop and pause and say that that is the God of the Bible? That my God heard me? My God saw me? And my God healed me. That's the God of the Bible. Yes, He's a God of wrath because He hates sin. But when the sinner cries out, He hears that sinner. And He looks upon that sinner, though He's defiled. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. That is my God. That is my Jesus. Not the Jesus that I've created in my mind but the Jesus that I see in the Word of God. He heard these men. He turned and He saw these men. And He spoke to these men. And He said, Go show yourselves to the priest. What an amazing command. This week of study, I never knew this, but I read an author who spoke on that. Why would he tell him to go see the priest? Well, first of all, it was the Levitical system that we speak of in, in chapters 13 and 14, where they're supposed to go to the, the priest, and if they had, first of all, been proven to have had leprosy, now it has to be proven that they've been healed of leprosy. Now hear me for just a moment, because there's a couple of incidences in the Bible, if you don't follow what I'm about to say, you're like, wow, that's a contradiction. From the point that the Mosaic law was completed till this point Israel had never seen a leper healed on their own hear me from the point that there was some healing of leprosy in the old from from the point that the mosaic law was completed till this point no priest no pharisee had ever seen a genuine leper healed. Listen to what this man has to say. Although the priesthood had all these detailed instructions on how, as to how they were to respond in the case of a healed leper, they never had the opportunity to put these instructions into effect. Because from the time of the Mosaic law was given, 
No Jew was ever healed of leprosy. As a result, it was taught by the rabbis that only the Messiah would be able to heal a Jewish leper. So Jesus commands these ten to go see the priest as a testimony that Messiah is here. Boy, if that doesn't give you chills. I've never seen that before, never understood that before. But man, praise God. He's telling, go testify that Messiah is here. Go testify that the Lamb of God is here. And so what does the Scripture say? It goes on to say, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. So Christ is proving His Messiahship. He is proving His deity, not only in the testimony of the fact that He healed them, but also that He sent them to the priests. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15. So remember His compassion and restoration. Remember... Yeah, I got that. There we go. That degree. Okay. And one of them, verse 15, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. Now think about for just a moment. If you were in the shoes of one of these ten men, you hadn't seen your family in perhaps years. Maybe you thought to yourself you would never see your family again. Because literally when you had leprosy, it was a death sentence. And so all ten of these men are healed. When Jesus Christ says to them, He says, Go tell the priest. Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they turn and begin to walk that direction, wherever the temple was, they then were healed. Could you imagine? I mean, how crazy would it be if you, you had some fingers that were missing and all of a sudden... Now they're healed. You had that limp because you rolled your ankle and it couldn't be healed. And all of a sudden you're able to walk again. You feel your ears and your nose and all the ulcers all over your body are healed. Man, I mean, they'd be doing chest bumps, right? High fives, fist bumps. I mean, these men are excited. All of a sudden they can go back into society. All of a sudden they can see their families again. Maybe they can see their children. Maybe by this point they can see their grandchildren. They can live. And nine of them walk away, healed by the power of Jesus Christ. That right there is one of the most glaring examples of ingratitude, I think, in all of Scripture. And one of them. When he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice, he glorified God. So I think the first thing that we can learn from this passage of Scripture is this. We need to go back into our minds on a daily basis and remember who we were. What was our condition? What was our separation, spiritually speaking? Secondly, go back in those moments and remember that the Lord Jesus Christ, He heard you, He saw, saw you, and He sought you out, and He provided a means of salvation through Himself. That's our Jesus. But then thirdly, I think we have an example here that we see that we can be a people to return to the practice of His glorification 
and adoration. There's four things that this man did in verse 15 and following. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, the first thing that he did is he returned. This word speaks of self-will, that he chose to do this. So here the ten men are walking. Well, here you got this Samaritan. Where's he going to go? He's not going to go to the temple, right? He's not going to be allowed in. And so he, he's thinking to himself, wow, look at me, I'm healed. I'm healed. And he turns, he chooses to return back to where Christ was. And he came back to the Lord Jesus Christ. He chose to return to the Lord. And so really it's, it's a choice, folks, that we choose to think on the things that we want to think on. We choose to complain about the things that we want to complain about. But maybe we need to choose to go back into our mind and remember what God has done for us. He chose to return to the Lord. The second thing that He chose to do, He chose to glorify the Lord in verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned and what? With a loud voice glorified God. Just moments ago, he couldn't even raise his voice. It was probably a whisper. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And now he's able to blast glory to God. He's using the voice that God had given him to glorify the Lord. He chose to glorify the Lord, to magnify the Lord. Thirdly, he chose to worship the Lord. Look at verse 16. And he what? He fell down on his face at his feet. When is the last time that you really got into a position of praise and glory to God, and you really worship the Lord. We are so busy, and it's, it's so easy every morning to get up, begin to think of all the tasks, everything that we've got to do. I think every morning we just need to stop and get down on our knees and get down on our face and bow before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And remember, just as we sang just a few moments ago, He is our King. And glorify Him and worship Him genuinely and sincerely, not, not because some man has told us to do so, not, not get into a mechanical fashion of it, but to really choose to serve Christ and to worship the Lord. And then in verse 16, it goes on to say, and fell down on His face at His feet, doing what? Giving Him continually thanks. And he was a Samaritan. The Jews should have recognized that this, this was Messiah. But they didn't. They turned and walked away. The gift of salvation was available. They're healed, but their healing doesn't necessarily mean that they are now saved. Their healing doesn't mean that they've come to know Christ. Look at what Jesus says in verse 17 and following. He says, so Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. 
The word well there isn't speaking in the sense of, of physical wholeness. Because when these men were made well physically, it was complete. The word well here is the word solo. It talks of our salvation in Christ Jesus. It talks about salvation. So those nine men were physically healed, but this one Samaritan was spiritually healed. And that's where we should be. So he chose four things. He chose to return, to come back to the Lord. He chose to glorify the Lord. He chose to worship the Lord. He chose to give thanks to the Lord. In accordance to 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 8, the Word of God says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. One author said this. He said, The Christian who has forgotten the bad shape he was in before salvation will often lose his worship. Closing thoughts. And then I'm going to ask the, the praise team to come back in just a moment. We sung a song this morning, and as Brother Randall was preparing that and getting everything jived in the back and synced in the back, I was like, oh, man, dude, that's so awesome. You, you just don't know how well that goes with my sermon this morning. We sang it this morning. But after we've looked at the Scripture, I, I hope that we'll sing it with new eyes, with a new voice, with a new purpose, with a new goal this morning. That is to glorify God as we sing that song. But my closing thoughts are this. Number one, have you forgotten who you were before Christ Jesus? Do you think upon the person that you were before Jesus Christ saved your soul? Let's remind ourselves of that in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And you, He made alive. This is who we were before Christ. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. Sin, Satan, and the societal position on everything. That's who we used to be. We walked according to the lust of our hearts. Hey, I, I have this desire. I, I want to go out and get drunk. I want to go out and... And, and do whatever act of debauchery. I have this sin, I have this thirst, I have this hunger, and I'm just going to satisfy that lust. That's who we were under the power of Satan. But the Scripture goes on to say in verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love, has His great love with which He has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, has made us alive together in Christ Jesus. So my first question for you this morning is this. Have you forgotten who you were before Christ? Secondly, do you dwell upon in your mind what Christ has done for you? Oftentimes we forget. We don't even think, we don't meditate what Christ has done for us. It's in the past. I live for Christ but I don't dwell there, I don't magnify the Lord, I don't glorify the Lord, I don't thank the Lord like I should. Thirdly, 
Is your life marked by ingratitude or gratitude? I find that when I come before God with a heart of gratitude, the cares of this world seem less important. The offenses and irritations of brothers and sisters in Christ seem less important. When I think about just life in general, I'm filled with joy and rejoicing when I think, you know what? My name is written down in heaven. Praise God. Who cares? Who cares if my brother stuck his nose up at me? Who cares? I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. And when we think that way, when, when that's our mindset, when our mindset is, I want to glorify God, I want to thank God every day of my life. We live more for God. We please God more. And, and life in general is just so much greater because who cares about everything else? My name is written in eternity by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So Christian, my prayer for you today, my objective for all of us here today is that we go back in our mind and remember who we used to be. What was our condition? Secondly, remembering the compassion of Christ, the generosity of Christ, as He heard us, as He saw us, as He saved us. And then thirdly, like the example of this one Samaritan leper who returned to the Lord to give Him glory, to give Him worship, and to thank the Lord. That's what we can do every single day. God, thank You for saving my life. So we can go back to 1 Peter 1.3. And with Peter we can say, Glory be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again. Praise God. We're going to close in prayer. The praise team is going to come. We're going to sing that song with a new heart this morning, I hope. After that, Brother Randall, would, would you close after that in prayer and then you can just begin the meeting at that point unless something needs to happen. But Father God, we, we come into Your presence. We thank You, Lord, for the Scripture. We thank You, Lord, that, God, You have called us to glorify You, to honor You, to praise You, to worship You, Lord, in every single way possible. God, help us every day as we start out our prayers in the morning to go back, to rethink, to remember who we used to be without Christ. Remembering your compassion, your love, that you demonstrated your love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Daily, Lord, coming back to the Lord as we think about those things, we see those things. We see your hand of physical healing, but more importantly, we see your hand of spiritual healing. God, we glorify you, we worship you, and we thank you for your love and your goodness towards us. And we will pray and we will ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me. 
Because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted, you were condemned. I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be? That you, my King, would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you. In all I do, I honor you. You my King, you are my King, Jesus, you are my King, Jesus, you are my King, amazing love, how can it be that you my king would die for me amazing love I know is true it's my joy to honor you in all I do I honor you let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the messages today. And, and Lord, that we would ask today that you would help us honor you, praise your name, lift you up, and that everything we do would honor and glorify you. We ask today that you would be with each and every one of us. And Lord, just, uh, just keep us strong for you. We thank you for all you've already done and all you're going to do for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Um, we'll take a quick five minutes, and then uh, we'll start the business meeting.